0: Love Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I really hope everyone is having a phenomenal day. You know, it. It. it I just love doing Real Mentors Radio every morning. It, it. It gives me a sense of accomplishment, and I know that other people that have listened to the show tell me the same thing. It's. It's through the. It, it's not through my words. It's through the great authors that we study, that we find what sometimes we're missing, what we need, what we're looking for. And today as I was I was sitting here going over this chapter, Sustained Hope. I'd gone through a couple of situations yesterday where I'd gotten some interesting comments actually on a on a blog post that I wrote in 2010 and I thought man this is really weird because usually you don't you don't get stuff this early. I mean this late. When I when I do a blog post on a company, you know, it, after after twelve months or so, you know, we'll get some views, but people don't comment. And as I was studying this I, I had to respond back to the to the young lady. I, I'm assuming it's a lady because she says soapbox mom and well she's like really using some strange stuff. So, you know, I sat here and I wondered. You know, what is it that causes people to be this way? And what is it that we can do to help each other become better? What can we do to to show people that we care, that that we want to to do things different? In other words, how can we be a credible leader? See, in the book Credibility, that's written by by Barry Posner and, and James Coos, we're in chapter eight, sustain hope and so much is written about leadership so much is 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 lived out by great leaders but i think very little is actually written or thought about from the constituent standpoint what what is it that we as as the 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 old term followers are looking for what is it that that drives us and in each chapter here we've learned a little bit more about what the people that that come to us are looking for. And today this chapter starts out, it's beautiful, it says, When leaders uplift spirits and restore people's belief in the future, they strengthen their own credibility. Leaders who demonstrate an enthusiastic and genuine belief in the capacity of others, who strengthens people's wills who supply the means to achieve, and who express optimism for the future. This is what people are looking for. Constituents want leaders who remain. Now, this is big, and and I, I tell you, if you're listening, I'd write this down. Constituents want leaders who remain passionate despite the obstacles and the setbacks. And one of the things that that I always try to do is when we do a radio show I, I try my best to figure out who can I who can I use as a living example in our community that people will 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 see and understand and get and say, Aha, I know what he's talking about. And in this case I, I thought back to a couple of years ago when my good friend Garrett McGrath and his beautiful wife Sylvia were, were trying to figure out what to do with their team, because what what we found was here they were in a company, and in because of, of economic circumstances, because of you know crazy leadership. Doesn't matter what it was, this company had decided we got to pull the plug on the comp plan. And any time something like that happens, it can send everyone into a tailspin. I mean, a huge tailspin. And and we've seen it over and over. But Garrett and Sylvia, along with their their leaders, along with their just their regular distributors, held true, and they held true because Garrett and Sylvia remained passionate despite the obstacles and the setbacks. They did not let the 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 crazy negativism that could have been there. Capture their heart. Now I got, and I got to tell you, I got to be just, just. I, I was one of their hardest critics. I, I was tough on them, and they knew I was out of love. But I was tough on them because I said, it, you guys should have seen this coming." I later apologized because I was probably a little too hard in some areas. But they loved me, and they understood. And as I as I watched them, very quickly, stay focused on the end game. Of looking for answers for their team, what they did was they kept that hope alive. They strengthened their people's belief that the struggle was just part of the process. That it was going to help them be sharpened. You know, there's a, there's a. You guys know my love for the Lord, and and I just love the Bible. And one of the one of the verses in the the, the book of Proverbs says, "As iron sharpens iron, so does." It depends on the translation. One brother to another, one friend to another. That's what Garrett did. Garrett continued to sharpen his leadership, to sharpen his leader's leadership. He continued to do his traveling, focusing on what was important. And I thought, man, this is what it's about. And as I read this, I thought he sustained that hope. See, when we keep hope alive, then we we keep an active and healthy life. See, it's when we get to we, we get in that rut, you know, of being a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby saying, Why me, why me, why me, that we end up in issues. And and doggone it, listen now, we're all gonna go through momentary lapses of frustration. That's part of the realism of being a leader. There are gonna be some times when you're gonna get slapped upside the head and you're gonna say, Man, this sucks. Your number one distributor is going to quit, jump over to another company. That prospect that you work so daggum hard for is just going to finally drop off the face of the earth or tell you no or stop taking your phone calls. When we go through that, we got to keep going. We cannot stop. we got to say, daggummit, I can't stay in that. i got to move forward. Well, i got to keep cranking. See, if you look at science, and one of the things that I did growing up is that I didn't go to college. I decided I wanted to be a Marine, so I went and joined the Marine Corps, and what I didn't realize is I'd get more psychology in the Marine Corps than I would have if I would had just gone to college. So I got to study the psychology, what makes human beings work, what makes them not work, and then I got to break that into how much of that is is science, how much of it is man made and how much of it can i take and and handle with my my biblical worldview and I studied enough to know that there's there's a link between the optimism which which is is kind of you know the i don't know i guess you could say the twin brother of hope and health as I studied. The people that were POWs, as I studied through each of the wars and realized what kept some people moving forwards and other people giving up, it was that they saw the bigger picture. In a Harvard class, the guys write this, in a Harvard class in 1942 through uh, 1944, researchers examined the link between optimism and health. Health. They concluded optimism early in life is associated with good health later in life. And you may be saying, Troy, what the Sam Hill's that got to do with being a credible leader? Here's the deal. You're going to have people in your organization somewhere along the line that are not going to have that hope and optimism early in their life. The odds are, <clears throat> because we are over 80% females, that somewhere along the way there's going to be Some female, Then, now this happens to men too, but there's going to be a female that due to the struggles, the pain, the abuse that she has suffered throughout her life, that she's going to join your organization. And one of two things is going to happen. She's going to succeed. She's going to go all out. She's going to become a conqueror. Or somewhere, and this is what I've seen happen. Somewhere along the way, you as the leader are going to say or do something that's going to trigger a flashpoint in her mind. And in her her way of thinking, you're just another one of those guys. She's going to blame the failure on you personally. You could be a female leader or a male leader, but she's going to blame it on you. We see this happen. And when we do, it sucks. It, it just makes you wonder why. What can we do to, to to change it? And And I've studied this enough to know it hurts leaders. It hurts the individuals. How we respond to it is the key. And if we're a credible leader... Then we're going to sustain hope by painting positive images of what the future can be like. We are not going to change those individuals. It just won't happen. What will happen, and this is the this is the important part, is that other people who might go through that same thing won't. See, we gotta take charge. We gotta move this thing to a new level. The late Sam Walton, I had the privilege of meeting him, hanging out with him, talking to him. It wasn't a long time. I mean, if you go through his journals, I doubt if you see my name. He may mention that whacked-out, long-haired dude that worked in the kitchen once. But my father-in-law was a successful caterer, and the largest Presbyterian church in Kansas City was having Sam and his lovely wife in. And Sam would just come back and hang out with the crew because he's just a country boy at heart. And while his beautiful... Wife was was up there, Helen, talking. He'd be in the back. So I got to to know a little bit of him personally in in those few hours that he snuck back there and ate some dessert and chatted with us. But, But Sam was the epitome of somebody that didn't let the frustrations keep him down. See, his first store was a Ben Franklin store. My, I, I remember Ben Franklin because we had him in Kansas City where I was growing up, and and Sam was from uh, northern Alabama or northern Arkansas. And and Sam built this beautiful five and dime Ben Franklin store. It was making lots of money. The land the uh, landlord that he had the building from got jealous and decided, man, there's enough money there. If I if I raise his rent enough, he'll He'll not be able to stay here, and and maybe I can buy the franchise. Long story short, that's what happened. And Sam felt defeated for just a flickering moment in his life. He used that situation as the, the fuel to take him to that next level. I watched another gentleman, James Christensen, do that he had a company called Zowie started it from scratch. He was not a direct seller; he was a banker by trade he He joined a company, saw the success, but he also saw some weaknesses and said, "You know what? I think I can do this better. Always a sign of a great leader and he went out there and in a very short time, created a company that was was really going some places. But James is also a very smart individual. And when when somebody came to him and said, I, I've got a really crazy idea and I want to throw it out here, he took it. He saw the benefits of it and did a merger, actually with the company that my friend Garrett McGrath went to, Evolve Health. And then James was able to do something that very few entrepreneurs ever get to do. He got to go back out doing what he loved, that's sustaining hope with people in the field. See, he's looking at his company, he's realizing, look, we're growing, but like most companies, you know, if we want to continue to grow and continue to do what we do, we're we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to get us some more capital, we're gonna to have to do some crazy stuff, we've got to make this happen. He didn't want to do that. Found a perfect Merging partner. Not not saying that the situation's totally perfect. There there isn't a business partnership that's ever perfect. But was able to make it happen. Able to grow forward. Bring a home a better home for his for his distributors. And the funny thing is, not all those distributors stuck. Some of them went on to become great leaders in other companies. But here is why I bring up James. He's a he's a he's a nuts and bolts type of guy. He he studies the numbers. And and he looked at the numbers, he knew where he wanted to go. He had the big picture, he had the business plan. He didn't dis- deny the diagnosis that I've got to get more money and I don't want to go back to my partners to ask for it. He didn't deny the verdict that if I don't do something, we're going to outgrow our capacity to be able to deliver, but he didn't let it get him down and I could share more because in his in his short biography that he has on the on the on the web now he actually shares where as he launched this company, there were death threats against him, death threats against his family there was there was propaganda and just bold flat out lies by critics. he acknowledged. The reality that there really was a, a threat to their survival as a company, and if you know James, and, and I've got to know him pretty good over the last couple of years, you know his, his big concern was his family more than anything else. And he said, you know, it, it's crazy how some people take take things so personally, but yet he sustained his hope. He sustained the hope of his organization. This is even bigger, because he did not let that hold him down, that keep him back. He acknowledged the reality, but he did not accept the verdict. Credible leaders acknowledge the reality, but they do not accept the verdict. It reminds me of my dad. My dad was told... You're you're too weak for open heart surgery. Your your heart is so far gone. Your body is so far gone. We can't operate. You need to just go home, enjoy the rest of your life with your wife. That's exactly what he did. I was on the phone with him the other day. Just as upbeat, focused, and it's because in the big picture of things, because of our our Christian worldview, he knows that this is just a short time on earth, and he's going to eternity. It doesn't mean the pain's any less, but it doesn't mean that he's got to go home and be a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby. He's home. He's loving on mom. He's having fun. He's chatting. He's he's doing the stuff. He could live for another 40 years. Who knows? You don't have to accept the prognosis for yourself, for your organization, even for civilization. Don't accept defeat. Don't let the dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies hold you back. If you're going to be a credible leader... You have to sustain the hope for your people. This includes your families, too. I know a lot of us right now, man, we're struggling with the economy the way it is. I won't make light of that. There's a lot of people making money, and there's a lot of people that aren't. The wonderful thing about America is nothing stays the same. We've been changing for 225, 235, whatever it is, years. So what is it? What... what What is it that allows people to have sustained hope? What is it that allows people to to move forward like that? I'll tell you what it is. It's the grit. That's not a word that you hear much. Go go watch the movie True Grit. You'll understand it better. But the guys write this. Researchers refer to this take-charge attitude as grit, and they are finding that it plays an essential role in attaining difficult goals. Angela Duckworth, professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, and her colleagues define grit very simply as perseverance and passion for long-term goals. Grit is just perseverance and passion for long-time goals. See, this this is what separates true, credible leaders. From people that just study leadership. Jack Winserell, I think I pronounced his last name right, is another leader that I've got to study a little bit. He's not the, the success of a James Christensen and, and, and probably not the the overall exuberant success of Garrett McGrath. He's a, he's a man that has been very successful in and outside of direct selling. And he's a man that loves the Lord and loves his family. Here's what, what, as I've studied a little bit about Jack, especially in the last 24 hours, something that just truly stands out to me is he's a man of principle. See, along the way as a leader, we all go through a growing process. There's things that I have said and done as a young leader that I have written in my journal that was wrong, that was a myth, that was stupid, that was unresourceful. I shouldn't have done that. I should not have propagated that. It doesn't make me any less of a leader any more cre- or any less credible as a leader. It means that I've learned from the past and my mentors are continuing to mentor me. I can show you where great leaders like John Maxwell and Richard Brooke would tell you the same thing. They grow. And as you grow through, you learn stuff. Jack is a guy that that sustains hope with his family and with his team. Gone through a situation where had an individual on his team that just didn't succeed the way the way they should have, and and Jack would be the first to admit that he probably didn't lead directly the the way he should have. Did some did some things along the way that just didn't work, but he has grit. See, he doesn't let. The dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby stand in his way when he cannot get them to see that he's that he's truly sorry that they aren't being successful. But at the end of the day, we as individuals define our own success. He's had to move on. He's moved forward. It doesn't make this is the thing about leaders with grit, and especially leaders that are credible leaders that are sustaining hope along the way. Just because we have to move on doesn't mean that when we're sitting there meditating about where we're going and what we're doing, that we don't look back and wonder, man, could I have made a change? Now, in my case, I think of those little things, but I'll tell you what I think of the most. I think of all those years in high school where I was living a wild life, and yet i knew in my heart that the only way to get to heaven was through jesus christ now, now don't don't turn me off cuz this isn't about the spiritual side of things this is about what i have in common with jack see there was a lot of guys and gals i partied with in high school and before we graduated our senior year they were dead and there's times when I go back and think, man, if I'd have just shared a little bit more, if I'd have just lived my life a little different, if I'd have been the friend like on the commercial, you know, friends don't let drunk, friends don't let friends drive drunk. If I'd have been a little bit more forceful, maybe, just maybe, they wouldn't be dead today. See, we all have these regrets, but a, a credible leader who sustained hope does not look back and say, poor me. A credible leader looks back and says I never want that to happen again. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to make this happen. See credible leaders as they move forward start to balance the hope and the work. They start to realize it's not just about quote unquote law of attraction. Think it, believe it, you know, and 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 all of a sudden it metamorphosizes into reality. They understand that you got to work. It doesn't matter if you want freedom, peace, happiness, clean air, green living. It doesn't. You got to work towards it. You can't dictate what's a balanced life for everybody. I've watched Garrett McGrath, and he's called me in so many different locations, flying around the country. And I'm thinking, in the early days when I first got to know Garrett, I'm thinking, well, man, what kind of what kind of husband, what kind of dad must he be? He's always gone. And then as I got to know Garrett, I, I realized this whole. Family works with him, and then, and then as I really got to know a little bit more about Garrett, I realized that Garrett doesn't work all the time. Garrett plays, and usually he plays strategically. Like at Christmas time this year, they went and they went and flew home to Ireland so that he could see his family, and and during the year last year when Sylvia's family was sick. They they went up and, and stayed with them and, and enjoyed time with them. See, he has this balance. He's working and she's working, but they balance their life with hope. And people that sustain hope, leaders that that give hope, they, they aren't Pollyanna, you know, oh, we just know all this stuff's going to work. It doesn't work that way. They know that there's some hard times. But they focus on the positive because... The more positive thoughts, the more positive images that you drive into yourself, the better you are. I do this with my wife. You know, there's times when, when we're married to our spouses, and, and we just don't like them. We love them, but we don't like them. They do things that, that irritate us. Art Williams used to talk about Angela, and, and she just hated the fact he always left the toothbrush, or the tooth the toothpaste lid off his toothbrush. And, and, and then she'd say, doggone it, you always chew with your mouth open. He loved her to death, and she loved him to death. There's days he didn't like her. See, what happens is when we have positive thoughts and positive images, when we get in those frustrating times, you know what happens? I go backwards. I think of all those times that Paige and I used to walk at the plaza in Kansas City in Christmas time. I think of all the drives we've had in the woods. (laughs) I think of some times when the lights were out, too. Well, sometimes they were on. I kind of get all those positive thoughts back, and I think, you know what? This little old thing ain't important. Credible leaders do this with their teams. Man, Jim Gillhouse gets ticked off at me. He doesn't think that jerk. Well, he probably does. But what he thinks is, man, we've had some good times together. See, this is what it's about. You have to focus on the positive and realize Hey, we're going through a heck of a situation, but we can make it. See, if you draw from the positive images and realize you can't please everybody, you'll think of some other times and how you were able to help them. And this helps you to unleash your passion. And the only way that you can unleash your passion is to do what you love. If you're out there doing something you don't love, you need to be focused on how you can change that and get into a career that you love. Because when you have that passion and that passion's flowing, Things happen this I'll go back to Jack for a minute. see passion it comes from the root word in Greek and Latin for suffering not 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 from excitement. I'm going to tell you that right now just i love I love being married to a romance writer because I learned to study well that, and I had a dad that was always studying Greek, so I dig deep and you you realize that the only way to enjoy and know your passion was to go through a hell on earth. And realize what you love. I think that's what Jack has done, because Jack is one of these guys that's still busting butt, taking names. It doesn't matter what he's gone through. James Christensen, busting butt, taking names. Doesn't matter what he's going through. Garrett McGrath, busting butt, taking names. Doesn't matter what he's going through. They're out there doing what they love. One of my heroes, Pat Townsend, major in the Marine Corps, said it this way. Perhaps the most obvious thing that leadership and love have in common is the act of caring about the welfare of others, an act that is central to both. One's love for another implies caring for the well-being, physical and mental of a person. See, when you call yourself a leader, like in the Marine Corps, we've got to be capable of loving and allowing ourselves to be loved And understanding the awesome responsibility that's incurred when one seeks and accepts the love of others. This is what causes courage. This is what gives us personal integrity. It's what helps us thank hope. You know, I love this. There's so much in this book, Credibility. Go get it on Kindle. Go buy the book, whatever it is. Here's the... Seven things that we learn well, I don't know if there's seven, but here are the key ideas from Chapter 8 today. Number one, hope is essential to achieving the highest levels of performance for you and your organization. Constituents want leaders with a positive, confident, gritty, can-do approach who remain passionate despite the obstacles and setbacks. They don't deny them. They accept them. Number three, to keep hope alive, credible leaders rouse optimistic feelings and enable their constituents to hold positive thoughts about the possibility of success, even while going through those rough times. Credible leaders balance hope and persistence and hard work. Credible leaders are at their best when they are passionate about what they're doing and being supportive. I love this is an important way for credible leaders to sustain hope over time. you got to love your people. Credible leaders create workplaces where people become friends with deep personal connections. Hello? It's called the network marketing community. It's using authentic collaboration. And lastly, credible leaders enable people to grow and develop themselves. Man, this is I, I love this book. Now, tomorrow we're going to dig a little deeper. I don't want you to think it's just all about peaches and cream and all positive. Chapter 9, the struggle to be human. It's going to be powerful. If you don't know who Garrett McGrath, James Christensen, and, and Jim uh, Winsorell is, you guys need to go learn and study. These are great leaders who love people, no matter if you're on their team or elsewhere. Well. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with me for RealMentorsRadio.com.